And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Spin Rate presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. That's right, this is Spin Rate, the Athletics Toronto Blue Jays podcast. My name is Drew Fairservice. So excited to be talking with you about your Toronto Blue Jays special break glass in case of emergency midweek Blue Jays pod had to throw all of the preconceived notions out the window and it's a special appearance you read her every day writing about the Toronto Blue Jays she is the co-host of Spin Rate she's back here midweek to talk about your Toronto Blue Jays Caitlin McGrath Caitlin how are you I'm good I'm better I didn't have to walk home this time which is excellent. that's good <laughs> no, nobody likes to walk home. Not a, not a soul. We wouldn't wish that on our worst end. Especially it's so hot and humid today here on mm-hmm. Thursday when we're recording this in the evening at which point the Blue Jays have just split a series with the Chicago White Sox. So the uh, playoff bound Chicago White Sox with their very uh, big offense of very large Cuban men. As far as the eye can see, Cuban guys. Even though Yasmani uh, Grandal is not, is not playing right now. Still, still many Cubans. And big dudes. But it was the big dude of the Blue Jays. Hyunjin Ryu did not pitch particularly well today. But I think we should start talking this week, this episode of Spin Rate, which you should subscribe to if you are a podcast subscriber person. Subscribe to, the, to Spin Rate wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us with a like and a review. And then you want to read what Caitlin had to say about this series, what Caitlin is writing about, what everybody's writing about, about everything. It's crazy time. Baseball is heating up. All the other sports, the winter sports are getting ready to go. So you want to go to theathletic.com slash spin rate, subscribe. Give you a tidy discount. Sign you up for the year. Let them know that we sent you. So please do those two things. And then we'll talk about the Blue Jays. We'll talk on a positive note. So I wrote down some little notes and they say the good, the bad, and then what's next. The good is Robbie Ray. Let's talk about Robbie Ray. Oh boy, did he ever have a start against those very large Cuban men of the Chicago White Sox, breaking out 14, including an emphatic punch-out of Tim Anderson that led to some emotion on the mound, led to some emotion in the field. Uh, the Blue Jays eventually tacked on a couple runs, kept the game tied at, at one, I believe, at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else can you say about Robbie Ray other than, like, congratulations on all the money coming your way, Robbie Ray? Yeah, he's going to get paid this offseason, and he's like really underlined that sort of bet on yourself notion. He's getting paid $8 million this year. Like, what a bargain. Like, just, you know, beyond everything that's happened this year, it's just like a great signing for the Blue Jays, a great bargain for them. Also, just great that Robbie Ray kind of was willing to bet on himself after sort of seeing some early returns and being happy with 
um, what he did sort of in the later stages of 2020 with the Blue Jays and recognizing that maybe this was a place where he could succeed and that would also ultimately help him um, going further in his career, whether he remains with the Blue Jays or not. I mean, he's really set himself up for success in terms of uh, a successful payday um, this offseason. Um, and yeah, it's a great story. I mean, I think there's been a few sort of um, really great individual um, storylines this season for the Blue Jays. And I think just the nature of what he was doing <clears throat> earlier in the season, Vlad kind of, you know, took up a lot of the headlines and stuff just because it's like it was so incredible the way he was hitting the ball. And I think that Robbie Ray's season to some extent kind of actually flew under the radar for a lot of the year. I think if you're closely watching the Blue Jays, you were noticing that, you know, he was going deeper into games and he was throwing harder than he ever has. And most notably, he was not walking guys at the clip that he had kind of become known to walk guys at and he was just throwing a lot of strikes and and all those things were going well. And I, it's actually kind of, um, you know, interesting that, that he, I, to me, I feel like Robbie Ray is almost like gaining steam right now like he seems to be almost pitching at his best um now here down at the stretch and it's also kind of coincided with like Vlad slowing down a little bit and also just like the offense generally as a whole slowing down a little bit and so in this last couple weeks I think everyone's now talking about Robbie Ray which is he's not really doing anything differently than he's done all year I think he's doing it a little bit better and doing it a little bit more emphatically and it was, as we get towards the end of the year and there's only a handful of starts left, you start to look at his ERA and you start to notice like, oh, wow, like he's got the second lowest ERA, I think, in the American League. Um, and he's got, I don't know, I think Garrett Cole's pitching tonight, but like Robbie Ray was at least leading the, the American League in strikeouts um, after his start on um what day was that wednesday was that yes yeah i think that was wednesday yesterday was in fact wednesday yeah so um yeah like i i think that now like that this sort of talk around vlad mvp has really quieted um and i mean i think for the most part this season it was uh really just uh Shohei otani kind of um running away with it but vladdy was putting up a good fight certainly but now i think like the the more realistic um, individual award, although I still think that he's kind of um, more more likely to be a finalist than, a, than the winner, but it seems more likely that that he he could win the Cy Young um, now than Vladdy could win the MVP, which is actually kind of funny how it's flipped at this point of the year. For sure, and I think you you I agree with what you said in that it was flying a little bit under the radar, but also. He has improved significantly as the year has gone along. If you look at his numbers and you look at the way that his um, like just overall performance has, has improved, it has improved significantly through July and here and through August mm-hmm. as well. Not that he was pitching poorly, but you know, if I if I take a look at his kind of rolling ERA graph where it's kind of spiked up a little bit in like early June and then it was sort of it was pretty steady. Um, in through July, and then I mean, again, we're talking about Robbie Ray, who didn't make the All Star team, mm-hmm. who who is someone who is now being spoken of as a potential Cy Young. And I mean, All Star is not the uh, there's not a direct correlation between quality of of performance and All Star appearance. But he didn't make the All Star team. Where here now, you know, six weeks later, it would be crazy to think that he that there are <laughs> there are that many pitchers who would be more qualified than him to represent their team at the All Star game. Well, he should have made the All Star team i think what did him in and what did in all of blue jays pitchers i think at the time you could have made an argument that jordan romano 
Um, although like n- not a lot of relievers ever make the all-star team. So maybe that was more of a stretch, but it, the Blue Jays just had too many position players who made it. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think it was like too far of a stretch to be like, yes, this fourth place team in the AL East, uh, we're going to have five all-stars or six all-stars or whatever it is. I guess it would have been six. You know, the talent is what the talent is. And, and I saw someone else made a, made a, a similar, um, uh, a point, which is, the Blue Jays have two guys who are in have had MVP caliber seasons, right? Who's the they've got two? Hmm? Who's the two? Sorry, Vlad and Ray. Vlad and Simeon oh, are okay. like are having like MVP caliber seasons, and okay. neither of them will win. Um, they may have actually been like they may end up splitting some votes. Nonetheless, this is Gideon Turk that made this point. Uh, they got a guy who's like going to be a Cy Young probably finalist, like mm-hmm. top three Cy Young. They've got a guy who's got a shout for the America for Rookie of the Year. Mm-hmm. Potentially, um, and they're in fourth place. Yeah. Like they have a, they've had any any number of incredible individual performances. Uh, on top of the fact that they had what four four all stars, and uh, and now they're still in fourth place. Mired, I would I would go as far as say they are mired in fourth place because it does not seem that they're in any. They're in now hurry to get out of fourth place. But I guess the next question for Robbie Ray is number one. You know, important performance in terms of for his team to perform that well in a game that they needed to win against a good team. And he did that. He's continued to do that by pitching. Well, doesn't matter who he's up against. Um, Robbie Ray, you know, you always feel like he's going to, you're going to get a lot out of him, but now the the question maybe turns a little bit to his future. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people start kicking numbers around and there's always a cartoonishly low, like I would give Robbie Ray <laughs> f- three years at $16 million. <laughs> Maybe 17. Like, buddy, come on. Like, he's going to get paid. And, and I think the name that a lot of folks have been banding about is, is uh, Zach Wheeler mm-hmm. as, a pro, as a comparable in terms of age, performance, even the style of, of, of production, like the kind of pitcher that he is. And I don't think it's off base. And is that, what did Zach Wheeler get? Five years, $119 million? Something obnoxious like that? Uh, I mean, not obnoxious. It's a lot of money that he earned. But even even Zach Wheeler, like Zach Wheeler, never in my mind didn't have like a never had a great season under his belt. He had a lot of good seasons, but the but something I, I know I talked with a few folks about was that he did the things that the league values. Like he had a couple four win seasons, right? Mm-hmm. In the and and before he signed his free agent deal, a couple four win years, you know, a couple years with an ERA under four. And that was, and then he pitched a lot of innings, and that was enough to to get him a big payday. Now it's 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 turned out to be for the best as he's having a, a career year here at thirty one in the ma- in the minor in the major leagues. But yeah, five years, one hundred eighteen million bucks for right. for for, uh, for Zach Wheeler. Does that to you feel maybe out of line for Robbie Ray? Just let me furiously punch that into my calculator so that I know what that is per year, <laughs> my so I can work better. I mean, um, so that's like. Uh, a little more than 23 million a year, I guess it works out too. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've seen like 25 million um, per year kind of suggested, and that doesn't seem to be like outlandish for me um, in terms of num- like number uh, amount. Um, I think the more like interesting thing, and I think something that doesn't get talked about enough or like maybe people don't realize how much players value is like term and for a pitcher like Robbie Ray um you know remind me is he 29 now I think yeah so this is his age 29 season that's correct yeah so I mean he's actually sort of like suspiciously young 
Um, like, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he, he's actually like, um, almost a young free agent. I know like, and, and it's not even like his first year in free agency last year was his first year in free agency. So like, actually he's hitting it quite young. Um, and the other thing we have to like factor in is like, who are the other free agents on the market? Like I know Max Scherzer's on the market. Um, this Clint Kershaw potentially, yeah. um, which again, guys in different stages of their career, yeah. Kershaw almost for sure is going to go back to the Dodgers. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that it's telling tales out of school. Um, Scherzer is in his own position where he can essentially write his own ticket, do whatever he wants. Yeah. Um, Stroman is a free agent. Marcus Stroman is entering free agency. He will be, uh, this is his age 30 season. I think he's just finishing. So, um, and he's a very different kind of pitcher that, that, you know, I know I think really highly of, but he doesn't miss a ton of bats. Not like Robbie Ray. He doesn't throw, you know, he throws harder than it, than it seems. It's not like Marcus Stroman is some kind of soft tossing, you know, you know, right-handed midget short, you know, short guy version of Hyunjin Ryu. He throws hard, right? He throws like 94 and 95 sometimes, but he just doesn't do the same sort of things that like Zach Wheeler and Mar- Robbie Ray does. Robbie Ray is the kind of pitcher that gets paid a lot of money. Yeah. We'll be right back with more spin rate, but first check this out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We've talked a, a bit before about Marcus Simeon. I think we can even talk about him here today. Maybe pricing himself out of the Blue Jays' uh, um, um, consideration. I mean, it's easy to say that they're both doing that, but at the same time, maybe the Blue Jays need to... Okay, maybe if, if you're the Blue Jays and you only have one pile of money to give away, are you maybe more likely to slide it towards Robbie Ray than Marcus Simeon? Um, it's a really like interesting question and like somewhat of a dilemma. And I think you could make a pretty compelling case for both guys. I think that... On the one hand, um, I think that bringing back Robbie Ray is somewhat more um, sort of like effective and useful. And I think because you always need good starting pitching um, and he is a he has proven to be a good starting pitcher this year and they need to build a rotation for next year. Like they don't have a rotation. They have Ryu. They have Barrios. Um, they potentially have Ross Stripling, who I think is one year left of arbitration eligibility. Um, but he's also still kind of classified, I think, as a swingman. And like he probably will enter spring training next season, um, still kind of on the bubble fighting for a job to make the rotation. And he, so he's, he's a guy that's, you know, you don't necessarily um, ink him into the into the rotation next year. So they've got to build a rotation. Um, Alec Manoa obviously will be part of it too. And then Nate mm-hmm. Pearson's another question mark. So, you know, I think <laughs> <A> very significantly <laughs> sized, hard throwing question. Mark. Um, yeah. So 
you know, from a, a sort of a team like building or like roster construction point of view, um, I think Ray is more of a priority because I think that you just need to fill, you need to fill the, um, starting pitching hole and you preferably do that with a good starting pitcher. Like I think that what we've seen from Ryu this year, I'm, you know, not particularly concerned about some of the ups and downs that he's had, but I do think that we probably have to be realistic and understand that potentially his best, best years are behind him, right? Like, so I think that he's still going to be fine next year. I think he's the type of pitcher that's built to sort of be able to weather some um, age decline a little bit, um, just because mm-hmm. of the nature of how he throws and and what he actually excels at. But I do think that what we've seen this year suggests that I don't know that you can necessarily say, you know, reuse your number one guy. And maybe Alec Manoa is building himself into be a number one, but I don't know that you would want to mm-hmm. throw him into that role. Um, and I, yeah, I think largely his profile is poor, more so like a middle of uh, rotation arm that would slot in. Slot in really nicely. So yeah, you need a number one guy, I think. And has has well, okay, go. But I, I mean, I don't know that Ray is a, a surefire number one guy. I hear that people, you know, why people want to lowball him is they're saying, well, the body of work here suggests you're this guy, and only one, only two seasons you've been this guy. So I understand why people may be skittish to say, you know, here's 120 million Robbie Ray because they're worried mm-hmm. that the guy who walked a batter per inning for half of 2020 is going to somehow reemerge. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I feel like Robbie Ray, you know, looks like he has figured it out, but you never know. I would say two things. I would say number one, that the body work thing I think is maybe less relevant now in these days as compared to like, what is it that he's doing now? What were the dynamic changes that we can observe? If I'm a, if I'm a team that's going to invest nine figures in a pitcher, I need to do make sure I'm doing my homework and I can see the demonstrable difference in what he does and how he goes about his about everything that he does. I can see the high level and the and the the elite skills and abilities that he possesses that he has turned into very high level production at the big league level. It's not magic, it's not smoke and mirrors. There's always the potential that he could you know lose his control because of some of the the um the, the track record. But I think, again, you're looking at a different guy who is, who is just, he's not the same pitcher, yeah. but again, and, and I, as I, as I kind of rely on, you know, lean on this crutch again, look at Zach Wheeler. Like Zach Wheeler was not a great pitcher for a long time. He had an, uh, one of his, his earlier seasons was like, really, you know, you, I couldn't believe he got as much money as he did, but then you, ha- but that's the, he's the kind of guy and it's the stuff that he does well is the stuff that the game and the, pl- the teams within it value. And they all think the same, right? Other than the goofy Rockies or whatever, like the teams all think the same. They all value the same stuff. The Blue Jays advantage, I think, comes from uh, a, I agree with what you said in that they need him a lot, not more than he needs them, but they need him. They need him to, to 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 solidify that rotation. Now, I am I I am not of the mind that every every team has a number one guy, right? I think that the Blue Jays, you know, Robbie Ray right now is showing uh, the, his peak. This is his ceiling. This is as good as he can be because not many people you can't pitch much better than he's pitching now anyway. Mm-hmm. And if he can pitch like this for for another season or so, then you can say okay, he's in that ace conversation. But there are thirty teams and there are not thirty aces 
in, in baseball, if you ask me. Not that you don't get to be, as a default, have an ace, right, or a number right. one guy. You can have lots of mid-rotation guys, and I think Alec Manoa is a great, a great example of a guy who is going to be a very good mid-rotation guy. There's a lot of stuff that's there to make you think that he's going to throw you a lot of innings and that he's going to be really effective, but I don't think he has that ace ceiling. And that's okay. That's not like a slight, right? Those aces are hard to come by. Like Chris Sale is an ace. Chris Sale threw immaculate inning today and he was throwing 98 coming back from Tommy John. Like he's an ace, right? Clayton Kershaw in his, at his peak was an ace. Max Scherzer was an ace, but not everybody gets to be that. So your point is well taken by me in that Robbie Ray addresses a very specific need. But I think we can talk, we can move on and talk about Marcus Simeon, who had a great game here on Thursday, hit two home runs, where it's easy to overrate or underrate, I should say, Marcus Simeon's production. And talk about a guy like Ray, who was only valued at one year and $8 million, as, as, you, as you mentioned, from what the Blue Jays gave Robbie Ray last offseason. Now he's looking at like a $100 million payday potentially or, or strongly it's, it seems like that's the kind of thing where he a place where he could end up Marcus Simeon was only valued at one year and 18 million dollars by the by the by the market in the form of the Blue Jays but if you go back and look at his production and I don't know if we talked about this but I spent a bunch of time looking at basically he and George Springer are very similar players but depending on say what how how you measure defense you can make an argument that in in the three year kind of uh, window from age twenty seven to age thirty, heading into free agency, Marcus Simeon was a more productive player than George than George Springer because of the defense, because of the position that he plays, and I think that sets up Marcus Simeon for a, a huge payday. I think they've definitely priced he's priced himself out of the Blue Jays. Like there, I can't see them getting in to business with him, which is a shame because. It's, I, I can. I almost want to say when we were talking before, you were like, you know, Ray. Ray has what they need. He, they need a rotation thing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, the Blue Jays could probably fake their way to kind of cobbling together another version of Marcus Simeon with some of the guys. But but the answer to that is no. I don't think that they can. He's that good. And and I, I'm not. I'm not, I don't know that I'm advocating for the Blue Jays to sign both of them, but. I think that a his production uh, over the last since 2018 speaks for itself. He's a really really good player, having a really really good season. Who's going to parlay it into a big payday? Somebody's going to give it to him. Probably not going to be the Blue Jays, and I think that they're going to miss his production because it's really difficult to replicate or to to, to resupply with. Again, he's number two in baseball in wins above replacement. He'll probably he could eventually pass Vlad Jr. here today. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, going back to what I was saying before, like, I think um, from sort of a roster construction point of view, like I said, like, Ray, to me, makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that there's an argument that, you know, Marcus Simmons adds so much, not just on the field with the performance, which you've obviously laid out nicely, but also just sort of like off the field and the intangible stuff, which, you know... I, I don't think that's like why players get paid, right? They get paid because they're good players. But when the, when a player comes into the fold um, with a team and makes such an impact with some of the players, you know, like Bo and Marcus are um, not, I'm not going to say they're inseparable, but you often see them together, right? Like they're hanging out a lot. Um, they're doing drills together a lot. Like Marcus Simeon is, um, out on the field every single day. Um, it's very clear, like his work ethic is, 
um, very, very strong. And he's quite a leader um, in the clubhouse. I think he's been a really good, like steadying force for the Blue Jays as they sort of go through this first um major league competitive season for a lot of these players. I think that um, he, he's been great to have around as, as is George Springer. And so it's not like the blue Jays are going to lose that veteran presence. If Marcus Simeon um, goes, I mean, there's other guys that will fill that void and, and some of the younger players, you know, they are gaining experience now. And so they're not going to need um, that necessarily. But I just think that Marcus Simeon has been such a nice addition for um, the blue Jays, both on and sort of like off the field. Um, that, you know, I could also see the argument for saying, for them to say, like, it's going to cost a lot, but we can't lose this guy. Like he's been too important for us as a sort of clubhouse, as a, as the culture we're we're building and and we don't want to lose this guy. And so, you know, it's interesting to think like if the Blue Jays did two things this off season and, and it was just bringing back Ray and bringing back Simeon, I mean, like, um, I mean, they obviously have to rebuild their bullpen, but usually that doesn't cost a ton. Um, so they should have some money to spare. But, um, you know, I, w- I wonder how people would react. Like, would that be mu- uh, as impactful of an offseason? Would it be disappointing to just bring the- those two guys back and and maybe rebuild the bullpen a little bit? Um, I also want to say just quickly, um, and we probably mentioned this before, I've mentioned this before, because I do think it's a factor, although I don't know how much of a factor it is, um, is I-, I do think Marcus Simeon wants to be a shortstop. And mm-hmm. I think he still believes, and rightly so, that he can be a major league shortstop, at least for an, the next couple of seasons. Um, he's played it well in the uh, handful of games that he's done it for the Blue Jays. Um, and I do think that it would be a tough sell to swap him um, for Bo at this point with the Blue Jays. Like, it just feels like, it, it, not impossible, um, but it, it just feels like it would be a little awkward um, if Simeon was like, you know, the ask is that I want to be a shortstop. It would feel, and and maybe at that point, the Blue Jays could say, hey, Bo, like, this is what he wants. And if, if Bo was like, bring him back, we need him, I'll move to second. Like, may, like, and I'm just making that up. I don't know if that would happen. I don't even know if that's realistic. Um, but I'm just saying, like, maybe, maybe that's something to consider is that if the Yankees come along and say, you know, Marcus, we want you to be our shortstop and we're going to pay you a lot of money. I mean, I think he's going to be um, on the New York Yankees next year. Like, I think that I do think that playing or being a shortstop is important to him. So that's another factor, um, as well as like making a lot of money. <laughs> I, th- I think that, that, the, that those two things go hand in hand, but also like that decision will be, will be like, there'll be one will be baked into the other. Where if I'm, if you're the New York Yankees and say, Marcus, we're going to offer you this much money, but we need you to play shortstop. Like this is shortstop money, not second base money we're giving you. He's going to be like, awesome. Right. As opposed to being like, if the offer comes and it's, we're going to give you this smaller figure because we want you to be our second baseman. Someone else, he's like, well, I know I can be a shortstop and these people are going to pay me to play short. And they're going to pay me like a shortstop who also has like a 140, you know, way to runs created plus, right? Like uh, they're going to pay me like a, a shortstop who's going to hit 40 home runs. So, you you can offer me second base money, but I'm going to take the shortstop money that's out there for me because the league, the game knows that I can play it uh, if I'm Marcus Simeon. And, and I think that those two things will come. Like, there's not going to be a discount that's going to come for the Blue Jays because they if they say, well, if you, we'll, we'll let you play second base or let's play shortstop and we'll pay you less, I, I think it's going to be the opposite. It's like, you're going to pay me more because I can play shortstop, which is... 100% true. Shortstop, good shortstops don't become free agents very often. 
Um, and, and so that's why when they do, and the only thing that might, that might hold him back, or maybe it won't hold him back, is that there's so many, there's Trevor Story, um, you know, Carlos Correa, uh, Corey Seager, all out there, and Javier Baez, which mm-hmm. he's not going to get any kind of money. But um, there's a lot of guys out there, which kind of um, could the opposite, you know, what could work and raise advantage might uh, might affect Simeon's future earnings. <sighs> we talked a little bit about this. Um, let's let's talk. Well, let's keep going with soup of the day instead. Then, so speaking of guys who got paid lots of money, speaking about guys who. Are uh, very productive players with in, into which their injury uh, history has been baked. George Springer looking like he might come back sooner rather than later, but there was some question about where he might play. Caitlin, I don't know if this was some uh, discussion with Charlie Montoyo today about what uh, what role George Springer is likely to fill when he comes back from the dis- uh, from the injured list. Yeah, I think it was talked about a little bit today, um, just that the potential that he would come back in DH. Um, my, I, I don't know that my understanding was that he would only play DH from here Mm -hmm. on out. Although I think that they would ease him in by playing him, um, at DH and then sort of like see how it goes. And like the Blue Jays have been very like upfront and like they are leaving this in George Springer's hands, so to speak, in terms of like, you know, they'll, they'll do all the testing with him. Like today before the game, you know, the trainers were out with him and he was running on the field and they were obviously evaluating his, his running and, and seeing how he looked and all that. Um, but it's ultimately going to be up to George Springer. And so he says like, you know, I, I need to a few more days. They're obviously going to give him those few more days. And so I would expect that, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Like I would expect they DH him for the start and then they just kind of go from there. And I think that as long as you have George Springer in the lineup, um, he's going to be more impactful offensively at this point than defensively. I think Randall Gritchick has played fine. Um, I shouldn't say fine. He's played, he's been an average center fielder. He's given you like what you need. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean Mm -hmm. the, the having, you know, playing Randall, in center field more means that Randall's hitting more and obviously he struggled a little bit at the plate. And so, um, you know, that's something that you kind of give up a little bit if you're not completely optimizing your offensive lineup, um, because maybe you're not able to you DH someone else. If you, you know what I mean? Or like if maybe if Reese is hitting, you could DH Kirk or something like that. Although they haven't really done that very much this year. I don't think, um, they've been sort of hesitant to have the two catchers in there at the same time. Um, we'll get to that. We'll get to but, that. Don't worry. Okay. Oh, I didn't, I haven't looked at the list. This is like, I, I'm blind. I'm coming into this podcast blind. I didn't look at the, <laughs> I didn't look at the topics. Um, so, uh, what was I saying? Yeah. So maybe that is one thing that you consider. Um, but I mean, I think Randall had a, a hit today maybe. So, um, you know, he's, maybe he'll get hot at the right time. You never know with Randall Gritchuk. And sometimes he's actually finished the season strong. I think two years ago, he kind of went on a tear at the end of the season. But anyway, um, but he did have a hit today, but he also struck out three times. <laughs> well, <laughs> That's yeah, is the Randall Gritchick experience. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Um, Uncut. <laughs> but uh yeah, like I, I think that honestly at this point the Blue Jays just want to get Springer back in their lineup and see what he can do. Um if he can provide that lift and like, they're kind of running out of time here. Like they sort of need to go on a run fairly quickly to remain in the, in the hunt. I just looked at the standings or sorry, not the standings, the scores um for tonight and the Red Sox are winning 12 to two. Against the um, Minnesota. Twins. 
And in the, is it the game over? What happened? Might as well be. Well, yeah. I, I mean, in in spirit, it's <laughs> over. Um, but uh, it, is, it is still going on, as I understand it. And uh, as I mentioned before, Chris Sale started this game. He had an immaculate inning where he had three strikeouts on nine pitches, um, <laughs> which is uh, which was the first um, Red Sox immaculate inning since twenty eighteen, when it was uh, done. Sorry, twenty nineteen. Yeah, when it was done by Chris Sale. Um, and the time before that was about three weeks before when it was done uh, by Chris Sale, oh, who was, hmm. now had this third immaculate inning in like <laughs> 15 starts uh, because he's an absolute freak of nature. But anyway, the Blue Jays are in tough, I think, is, is, is what, you were, you, what you're saying before I endure. Uh, people who don't listen to the show, uh, I'm obsessed with Chris Sale. He's my favorite pitcher to watch in maybe ever because it's just so, he's so good and it makes me crazy. But. The Blue Jays are in tough in the wild card. This the we we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Like they needed to put their foot on the neck of the Seattle Mariners, and they have not succeeded mm-hmm. in doing but, that. But the Mariners are weirdly taking care of Oakland, doing the Blue Jays a favor a little bit. I They're mean, like it doesn't a, really matter though if no one can catch the Red Sox. So I don't know. And and this was the whole problem. And this is the whole problem. And and the whole uh, while it's important to stay focused on the positives and it's important to focus on what the Blue Jays can control the games they have against Oakland the games they have against the Yankees the games they have against um Baltimore um it's not just the number of games it's the number of teams and the number of games where yeah if if the if the, if the Red Sox and the A's both collapse but like are the Red Sox A's and Mariners all going to collapse such that the Blue Jays can get up ahead of them Red Sox A's Yankees Mariners like there's just so many teams in the mix and if you can't put a run together, you are going to be in tough. And which is what the Blue Jays are. They are in tough right now. More spin rate coming up right after these words from our sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is meme mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Are we going to talk about the offense? We could. We can. This is like your Thursday show, so you just tell me where to go and I'll follow. 
Well, what I wanted to talk about quickly was another possible return. So we've talked about George Springer's return. The offense needs him, right? There, I have something in there about timely hits and where the offense is and and something that, uh, you know, the timely hits thing and, and the late and close thing, which I heard um, I was re- Stoughton, uh, was recapping. Uh, Ross Atkins was on a podcast with Bob McCowan, and, and Ross Atkins admitted in as many ways, like the same thing that we've been saying, that this very free-swinging, very right-handed team that, that stacks like four guys in a row that are all effectively the same um, makes them easy to pitch against in late games, against high, velo, nasty, strikeout stuff relievers. Like we saw with the White Sox, we even though the Blue Jays did manage to get to Michael Kopech and 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 um, and Liam uh, Hendricks a little bit um, over this four game series with the White Sox, but you know they, they, there are some design flaws with the Blue Jays' offense, which is the line that I've used a few different times. But what is what is what are your thoughts about the Blue Jays' offense and when well how it's struggling and why it's stagnant right now? Um. I mean, to some extent, it does feel like a few of the guys just started slumping at the same time, and then there was probably some Mm -hmm. high stress in them. Um, And I did think that a few times, more so in the Tiger series, I think, where it looked like it was more stressful at bats, and it looked like guys were trying too hard. And I think that's hard to, like, kind of... um, kind of see and like but it you know even charlie talking about it like it just did seem like guys were searching for hits and usually that doesn't lead to success when you're searching for hits it's more so like you're going up there and and so they they looked a lot like even though the offense didn't really come around until thursday's game which um oh there was a bug um (laughs) (laughs) i think it's like a fruit fly or something in here i've got all these bananas that i gotta eat fast um but anyway, um, sorry, what was I saying? So the offense started coming around a little bit Thursday, but I, I it's been sort of the story of this season, or I don't know if it's the story of the entire season, but certainly lately it's felt this way, is that like they just can't get everything going at the same time. And so they have these like brilliant outings from um, Robbie Ray and Alec Manoa, and they were able, able to win those games actually, but against the Tigers, like they had brilliant pitching from st- all three of their guys. Um, Ray, Ryu, Matt's basically allowed, I think two earned runs or less in all their starts or whatever it was. And, or actually, I think it was like one run earned run or less from all those guys. And, um, and they had no offense and it just, it was like the offense completely broke down. Like we talked about. And so, um, it's kind of funny or like, maybe not, not funny, haha, but funny, like, wow, how demoralizing, um, that like in this, in the one start where they didn't get a very good start from Ryu is when the offense picked up a little bit and put up seven runs, but they couldn't overcome the, um, 10 runs that they allowed, um, seven of which were allowed by Ryu in um, three and two-third innings. So it's it's felt like that's been the story lately where the Blue Jays, and like the bullpen had been pretty good this entire homestand. Um, you had a, a lot of good outings from several of the guys and like there was a little bit of a hiccup. Um, well, I mean, Brad Hand continues to struggle um, on on Thursday, but, you know, and Trevor Richards gave up the one home run, but that was it. But, you know, largely I don't think you would hang any of the losses, honestly, in the entire homestand on the bullpen. Like it was just, it was the, the offense that wasn't able to come through. But, um, you know, I, I sort of, I know it's a little bit of a cliche or something, but I do think that it, 
it could be promising to see that the bats woke up a little bit um, on Thursday and they're heading into a series against Detroit, which is not a hitter friendly park. Um, and, um, but I mean, they just, to want to some advantage, they just saw that team. Um, I'm not sure who the starters are going to be, but at least they've seen those relievers recently. Um, not Drew Hutchison. He got, uh, waived. He, he was sent out through waivers after his, after his start in the Blue Jays. After his dominant start against the Blue Jays. Yeah, exactly. He didn't even pitch that bad. You're absolutely right. Um, but yeah, we also did see though that that Tigers bullpen did give the Blue Jays a bit of a hard time. And because it is, you know, mediocre as the tire, Tigers are, they've got guys that come, that come out for days. They've got Joe, uh, Joe Jimenez. They've got, uh, 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 Gregory Soto. They've got just like guys that are big and throw hard and right handed and it gives them a hard time. And you, you know, the Blue Jays, their offense has been bad in, in August because they've got a lot of holes in it. Right. There's, you know, you're not getting, you're getting Kevin Pillar sized production from Randall Gritchick. You're getting very, you know, below, well below average from Vlad. You're getting terrible production from Bo Bichette, which we haven't even really talked about. But Bo Bichette is just like not producing at all, um, you know, at all in the last month. Marcus Simeon, you know, kind of woke up a little bit, but uh, he was uh, having a bit of a down month, for example. Espinal, McGuire, like kind of league averages, uh, average ish production from guys who don't play every day um you know they but mostly you've got big holes at the top of the lineup and you you don't it's not his fault but like vladimir guerrero jr for the first three four months of the season was such an incredible offensive player that it was like an he was the engine of the offense Mm -hmm. he's always on base he's hitting tons of extra base hits that's how you score a bunch of runs when you have a guy like that who's able to your a is able to capitalize on the t- other guys getting on base and then be the guys behind him, the Teoscar Hernandez is and even Lourdes Gurriel has kind of come up, come on of late. Like how much more impactful would it be if Vlad was on base half the time? Cause that's essentially how it was for the first bunch of the season. Vlad was on base every other at bat and it's not the case. And it just really makes scoring runs that much harder, especially with in when his at bats are coming up with two out because Bichette is slumping, Simeon slumping, Simeon, uh, Springer is hurt again you know, whatever else. So it really makes it tough. But I, I want to talk about, again, talking about offense and what the Blue Jays might do for offense. George Springer coming back is a thing that, that's going to help the offense. And as you said, it's going to be about getting him into the offense. But Danny Jansen is starting a rehab stint in Buffalo. He's been injured for quite a couple months. And I, I actually put a post on Reddit about this, wondering what people are going to, what, what the Blue Jays should do. And, and I'd love to know what you think. So I, th- I guess given the date when we're recording this, it is uh, August 26th. So the mm-hmm. rosters are set to expand in a few days time when the rosters will only expand to 28. Is that correct? Yes. Up to 28. So not, not a ton of roster spots to go, but you got, I have to feel like Dana Jansen is going to get one of them. Yeah. And then what do you do with the catching? What, what, what do you do with that catching position? Alejandro Kirk is here to hit and he's done it. Alejandro Kirk can hit. But do you do it at the detriment of A, Jansen getting, getting some reps, B, you know, Reese McGuire, who's played well. I, I ran a poll on Reddit of all places and, and the goldfish memories of, of most of the folks on there were like, Reese, Reese McGuire won in this poll where I was like, who should be the Blue Jays everyday shortstop or, you know, regular catcher going, going forward for the rest of the season? And it was Reese McGuire. And I was like, you people are out of your mind. But. <laughs> Does he give them the better chance to win? I guess with the whole package, you know, obviously he's he's the best defender of the bunch. He's hitting 
just enough to make it an interesting question. And and the thing about Danny Jansen that we forget is that he had he was great from May onward, mm-hmm. which was not that not a huge sample, but Danny Jansen's not a bad defensive player. He's not a great he's he's good at all of the aspects of his job. Not as good defensively as McGuire, not as good offensively as Kirk, but I know it's a bit of a complicated question. I'd love to know what you think you would either think they're going to do or what you think they you would want to see them do behind the plate for the rest of the season. Well, for starters, I think they'll just carry three catchers. Like I do think it's a given that Jansen's getting one of those extra spots in a couple of days. And then I would assume that Pearson's getting the other one um, or some other reliever. Um, although like, you know, Ross Stripling could potentially be coming off the IL soon. And there's, so there's going to be some roster crunch coming soon. Um, but, um, in the meantime, I think that Jansen will come up when they rosters expand on the first or whatever. And, um, you know, I guess what I was saying earlier is that when you do have the three catchers, um, I do think you then will see Kirk, um, potentially DHing, which is when you do want Springer to, go back into the field. And so there could be some juggling there, but I think that's also why um, you want to give Springer enough time to heal the knee and then give him some reps at DH while you sort of maybe juggle a little bit and then hope that he does feel healthy enough to go back into the field because then you can DH Alejandro Kirk and then you can swap between um, Jansen and McGuire behind the plate a little bit more. Um, And maybe you also want to keep some guys happy. Like Robbie Ray really likes throwing a Kirk. Like that is just a it's not necessarily a personal catcher because he's um, had other guys um, throughout mm-hmm. the year, but for whatever reason, they just Robbie Ray really likes Sona Kirk. They work really well together, so I would expect Kirk moving forward to be catching Robbie Ray starts. Um, and I think with Jansen coming back soon, I think Ryu would again start throwing to Jansen, and that makes a lot of sense. And so then maybe Reese is just getting in there. Um, when his lefty bat would be useful. Um, maybe he's more mm-hmm. of a bench piece. And, you know, he, as to your point, like um, he hits enough. Um, we've seen him sort of succeed in situations where he could succeed. He's pretty disciplined at the plate. I think more so than he used to be. I think he's improved in that regard. Um, you'll see him take a few more walks and just put up a lot better at bats. And maybe he typically did in the past. I feel like that's sort of a new skill that he's developed um, a little bit, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know that the catching thing is going to be all that complicated. I think that one thing that Charlie's done fairly well during his time with the Blue Jays, um, especially these last couple of years, is like juggle the lineup and um, get guys in there and and sort of divvy up the playing time fairly evenly um, as a you know as playing time sort of warrants as as a guy is actually playing right. Like if a guy's not hitting, maybe he's not playing as as much and if a guy's hitting really mm-hmm. well he's getting in there more but but I think Charlie's done a fairly good job of evening it out and and making sure that everybody gets into spots where they can succeed so like I don't necessarily see the catching situation as being that tricky to maneuver and I think it's actually an advantage that you have Kirk who basically can also function as a DH um and then that optimizes your lineup potentially I I don't I, I don't know because I think it, 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 the example that you, you you brought up was Reese McGuire. You want to get his lefty bat in. But this is to me where it starts to get complicated. Where it's like, okay, so you want to get McGuire's lefty bat in. Does that mean you also want to get Corey Dickerson's lefty bat in at your DH? So now you are 
now you are now that that spot is filled. So that means that now you got Springer in the field. Are you now you putting Guriel in the field because you want to get his bat? Are you going to put Vlad at DH? Like there's all these other. I feel like there's so many moving pieces right now with the team as it is because you're trying to paper over some of the deficiencies, right? Okay, well Springer's hurt, so you got to use him really sparingly in the field. Maybe you only do it on the road where he's out there on grass. Maybe we don't want him. You don't want him. Maybe we're at that point now with Springer where it's like keep him off the turf. Is that going to be the thing that we're going to do? You know, we've also got Vlad needs a, needs a bit of a day here and there. I, I'm interested to see, but I also think that that again is th- these games mean a little something. So, are is it just going to be kind of appeasement? Is there are they are they trying to do evaluation? Are they trying to figure out like can Kirk catch? I guess that's sort of the the the, the crux of the question is can Kirk catch? And I I had some arguments with disagreements or whatever discussions with people because. You know, the, the, the people who are maybe not the folks I typically engage with are like, well, Kirk can't catch. He's terrible back there. He's out of shape. He's not going to be able to do it. And it's like the team put him on the opening day roster. They played him in the playoffs last year. They flew him through the system. Mm-hmm. They believe he can do the job. And while that might seem like a little bit of an appeal to authority, at the same time, it's like the proof is in the fruit. Like they trust him to do these jobs. Is he the best defensive catcher of the three? No, he's the worst. But that doesn't mean that he's the worst catcher around. You look at his advanced numbers. They're not that bad. They're not, they're, they're below average, but they're not, he's not like a, you know, an unplayable catcher. He loves throwing to Robbie Ray. There, I was keep trying to keep track on when does he do the, the one knee thing after that <laughs> kind of whole thing blew up. And he doesn't, he doesn't seem to do it when, when people are on base at all now. He doesn't even do it with two strikes when I was watching, uh, with Robbie Ray, which is, again, maybe he's looking to block it, doesn't want to get behind him to allow a strikeout to reach sort of thing. He wasn't even doing it with two strikes, um, wasn't doing it with people on base, uh, just trying to be really active and really, uh, athletic behind the plate, which I found really interesting. Um, and again, you know, Danny, but at the same time, we've all spoken about how much the team likes Danny Jansen. Right, the team has invested a lot in Danny Jansen, and and so are you going to call him up and then have him sit because you know we like Reese McGuire, a guy that that got waived and was off the forty man, and then now has found his way back and is hitting just a shade below league average. Is by baseball prospectus's uh, defensive numbers, he's the eleventh best catcher in baseball by in terms of his defensive, uh, his framing, his throwing, his blocking, all those things combined. That's a pretty valuable player. I don't know. It's. It's, I'm very interested to see how they do dole that timeout and see if it, how much of it is personal catchers. I think you're 100% right that it'll be, Danny Jansen will be with Ryu, Kirk will be with Ray, and then you've got who else, who, you know, I mean, I, I can't imagine Alec Manoa is a very tough guy to work with. So I feel like, uh, like he's just like, whatever, I'll throw it to myself. We'll have a good time. But, uh, but it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to figure out because again, the, the, the defensive, uh, shortcomings of the team are obvious, but they right now they need offense. So if that means that Kirk is the DH because you need somebody who can get in there and can hit, um, because he certainly can do that, uh, then then I hope to see it. But again, so many different moving parts. Yeah, I mean, actually, to me, like to me, navigating these last month and a bit, um, I think is manageable uh, for the reasons that I said before, and that I think Charlie's kind of done it before. But actually, I think the more interesting thing is to think ahead and get to next year because. The catching that catching situation that conundrum isn't going away um, next season. Other than maybe if the Blue Jays trade um, a catcher, and honestly, like outside of Danny Jansen, who spent too much time maybe injured this year and is probably not in a place where um, 
sort of his uh, value went up or down. It probably just kind of remained the same. But I think what Kirk shows with his bad and what what McGuire's done in the sense that he's sort of rebounded um, after his awful 2020 and at least showed that he can be, as you said, um, sort of can hit enough to be probably a very capable backup catcher. And that can be, and he's a young backup catcher. And so as much as those guys sort of hang around the league, and I don't know that they're necessarily too hard to find, but um, and I don't think that he's going to be a big trade piece for the Blue Jays, but I do think that like, um, versus what he was a year ago, he does have more value now. And so like, maybe it's the off season where they do have to, again, once, uh, once again, sort of move one of their catchers or figure out what they're going to do there. Um, that to me is like sort of the more interesting, um, but in terms of the next month or so, I think that you'll probably just see them manage and, and get through it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, try and optimize the lineup as much as possible. And I mean, they don't have very many lefty bats. So it's not like you're having to juggle that many guys trying to get them in the lineup, right? It's True. really just like McGuire and Dickerson. And I think Valera is a switch hitter, but I, um, is there anyone else? I, no, I don't think so. Right. No. I've got a, I've got a lineup here. Maybe I should just look. Um, you and I, when we were speaking before the all-star or the, the trade deadline, we, we, and I even, I wouldn't say advocated, but I thought that Alejandro Kirk, um, was a player that had a lot of trade value, um, because he hadn't had, he had enough playing time at the big leagues to make people believe that he could do it without having time, you know, getting exposed or anything. Um, but now see what, now what's happened is that he's been around for long enough and he's continued to hit. And now I'm like, well, now they can't trade him. Yeah. I, I, I have too much affection for Alejandro Kirk. He's so great. I was trying to. Uh, I was trying to trade him. I've been trying to trade Alejandro Kirk for years, and I was kind of the same thing as you. I was like, I think he's a good trade chip, but I do see like he is. He is just a really great hitter. Like he just. Um, it was kind of not even surprising to me um, on the Wednesday game where he like fouled off that ball really sharply. Well, earlier in the game, he hit a ball like right at the shortstop, I think it was. And it was like, Mm -hmm. and he dropped it because he hit it so hard. But Kirk obviously thought he caught it, right? That was the one where he didn't run hard out of the ball. Yeah, but I mean, A, it wouldn't have made a difference because Kirk's not not fast. And B, like it's reasonable to expect that he thought it was caught and stopped running because he thought he was out. And then the guy dropped it and he was like, oh, okay. Tim Anderson. Yeah, yeah, sorry, Tim Anderson. And um, But anyway, that ball at the time, which I think it was early in the game, probably like the third inning or so, um, that was like the second hardest hit ball of the game and it went right at the... But anyway, so he came back later on in the game and he fouled off that that ball hit really sharply um, to the right side. And I was kind of like, mm, he's getting a hit. He's, he's getting a hit for his guy, Robbie Ray. He's getting a hit. And then he did. <laughs> yeah. He definitely hit the ball hard uh, a few times that night. And then uh, there was a, I remember there was a, another at bat again against a, against a, well, he had the, that on Wednesday's game, he had two of the three hardest hit balls of the night. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I think there was one that was like a fly ball to center field that he really tagged and like just mm-hmm. hit it on a line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lined out. Uh, he yeah, definitely line. Yeah, the one was to center field. It had an expected batting average. Both those two balls had an expected batting average of seven twenty and seven forty, and they both turned into outs yep. in the fourth and in the sixth. What inning. was his actual um, hit? What was the batting expected batting average of his actual seven eighty? Oh, okay, seven eighty. He hit that ball at one hundred and two miles an hour. That was a single off of Aaron Bummer. Yeah. Um, who, bummer, Aaron Bummer's nasty, um, but uh, the White Sox bullpen just, uh, is really good. I know, really, I know, it really it's is. really good. Like I knew that coming in, but then like seeing it 
And I was like, oh, this is a Ryan Tapera. Ryan Tapera is like the like the 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 first guy out, and he's got like a two fifty ERA. He's great. Yeah, former Blue Jay Ryan Tapera. Ryan Tapera used to follow me on Twitter. That's uh, oh, nice. He doesn't anymore. <laughs> nope. Don't get a lot of those. Um, I think that's enough. We've had a great show. Kalen stepping in at the eleventh hour to save the day to talk about Alejandro Kirk <laughs> to to set me right to put me in my place. Caitlin, what have you got planned? What's coming up? The Blue Jays are going to Detroit. Are you going to Detroit? Are you going to hop on the bus? No. Cross the border to America, America Park? No, you and your uh, you and your Hobbit feet are staying home, are you? Yeah, I am not going to Detroit, but I will have some travel coming up soon. Um, God willing, I can figure out how to get tested and get out of this country and get back in. Um, but um, yeah, uh, what do I have coming up? Um, I'm I'm on power rankings duty this weekend, so Sweet. everyone rush to the rankings on Monday and make sure you write nice comments about me. Um, and this is my last power ranking for the year because we do a rotation, and uh, mm. and so this will be my last one. So, um, and then obviously I have something going up about the White Sox series, and uh, yeah, some more exciting stuff coming up next week. When they're back, that's so exciting. They're only gone for three and games. It's kind of thrown me off. Um, yeah, yeah. So that is a very, and it's a very short, short in distance and short in time mm-hmm. uh, road trip. Yeah. Well, you and I will be back talking about the Blue Jays at the end of this series, the end of the series in Detroit. Hopefully, there are some exciting and interesting things to talk about. Hopefully, there are some more good at bats and some runs scored to set uh, some folks' minds at ease. But until that time. Her name is Caitlin McGrath. My name is Drew Fairservice, and we will talk to you next time on Spinning. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.